You're listening to The Musician's Mind with Jessica Alves. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I've got my mom, Sucro, on the podcast. She talks about being a woman in a male-dominated industry in the 80s. They tried to woo me because I was a woman, you know, take me out to lunch. And some really amusing stories for us. So I asked my mum to write a list of things that she's done in the past. And one of the things she's wrote on here <laughs> is that she was bitten by a camel. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Hey mum. Hiya. <laughs> so, mum's come down. I thought we'd get a different perspective and I thought it'd be nice to have you on the podcast. Thank as you. got a lot to talk about. So I hope you've got a long journey ahead of you guys and start from the beginning. So when I went to school, I didn't fit in any pigeonholes. So obviously I get it from you. Yeah, talk about how in the music world, how your school life was. Well, sort of starting with the primary school, because I took myself to play the piano from about four years old. They didn't accept because I hadn't been for lessons, although my parents did offer for me to have lessons, actually booked up for me to have lessons, to learn the piano. I said I didn't want to play like Mrs Hedges, because <laughs> I think I'd heard that Mrs Hedges wrapped you over the knuckles if you didn't get your scales right and that sort of thing. Um, sometimes I regret not uh, actually learning to play by music from a young age. Yeah, but then it wouldn't have made you who you are now with it. Definitely not. No, no. Got my own stamp, my own style, writing style as well. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you said in um, high school you used to play all the pop songs and that's for everyone (laughs) and that made you popular. Yeah, (laughs) popular with the in crowd. Yeah, Yeah. so you wouldn't have been able to do that if you'd learned (laughs) Beethoven and Mozart. (laughs) Probably not, no. I did actually learn quite a lot from my cousin Valerie. She used to come and stay for two weeks every year and she used to bring all her classical music and she'd play all the classics and so I I got to know them and I used to play them by ear. Yeah. Um, I probably didn't get all the notes right and they probably all played in the same key in those days. <laughs> <laughs> A bit like I used to play the, um, the Sunday school organ and uh, everything was in C and the kids couldn't always sing. <laughs> really quiet. <laughs> in those days, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, when I was at, actually at primary school and I, I wanted to sort of play the piano and show things, they, they wouldn't accept that I actually knew what I was doing. So I, I found that really frustrating. Yeah. But that changed when I went to secondary school. Yeah. And that was because just as I'd started secondary school, I started playing the guitar as well as piano. Mm-hmm. And again, I taught myself. Uh, granddad, yeah, my dad. Um, he played the guitar. Uh, taught, I think he taught himself to play as well. Yeah, from books. And then when he was in the air force, he played in the um, a jazz band. Yeah, and they used to do the forces broadcasts. And he was a really good guitarist. And he yeah. had a couple of guitars. One, the guitar that he learned to play on, that I still got. Yeah. Well, in fact, I've got both his guitars. And he also, while he was in Malta, he purchased a, a, 
a lovely jazz guitar, which still plays, still keeps the tune, it's under my bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on display because he decided to put his own pickup on it. Can imagine that. a hole in it, which he filled, but it doesn't, it's, it's not a looker, but it, <laughs> oh. it still plays well. But, um, yeah, I taught myself to play, and I, one day I was sitting outside the house, bearing in mind that we lived opposite Ooh. my secondary school, yeah. but right opposite the head. And she was late school. every day as yeah, well. Yeah, I was late every day. <laughs> the closest to the school. Yeah. This is where I get it from. And uh, the new headmaster turned up, and I was sitting on the wall outside my house, as I always did, playing my guitar, <laughs> and he stopped, and he said, can you play that thing? And I said, Yes. And he said, I'm your new headmaster. And uh, I said, yeah. Um, and he was always really jealous because he was learning to play the guitar and he never... So you taught the to... headmaster? <laughs> Almost, yeah. <laughs> never got to play as well as I did. Oh. <laughs> but um, years later, he um, became a politician. And he, by that time, I was married and had been, I think we were in Black Notley. Yeah. Mm. And he knocked on the door, touting for, you know, to, for votes. And he said, oh, it's you. He says, oh, my word. He says, you wear well. He says, you ought to see something. <laughs> I said, still don't know whether that's appropriate or not. Like, is that inappropriate, <laughs> even though you're older by then? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how old but, I was by then. But he said, oh, you must meet my next door neighbour. So I said, who's your next door neighbour? And he said, Susie Quattro. Oh, and of course, is that later, how you got into no, no, no. That was years later that oh. I actually got to play with Susie. But anyway, I was given a lot more respect at the school. Yeah. And I actually used to teach the other children to play the guitar because the music teacher, the first music teacher we had, she couldn't play the guitar. Yeah. And she cottoned on that I did. But she didn't like me playing her piano that she used to leave her fag ends on the, <laughs> on the end smoke? and they used to burn the keys. Did they smoke at school? Yeah, smoke in the lesson. No, they didn't. <laughs> she did. That's mental. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, can't believe that, That's can you? mental. Yeah. I know. It's actually weird to think that anyone smoked in anywhere. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so then the next teacher we had um, at the school, he gave me a lot of respect and a lot of help. In yeah. fact... Even after I left school, got married, got your brother, Dean. Yeah. Um, he was still helping me write out my music when I registered some of my songs that I'd written. And yeah. uh, I think it was also because I, by then I was in the marching band, which is where I met Dad. Yeah, so in yeah. every <laughs> single interview that I ever do, when people say, why did you start music or where's your music talent come from? I say, well, my mum and dad met in a marching band. I do it every time. So here's the story about my mum and dad meeting in a marching band. <laughs> It actually didn't start off as a marching band. It started off as a, a music school. And Dad was going there and some of my friends had just started going there. One was, she was playing the clarinet. The other was playing, he was playing the trumpet. And I was playing my guitar and doing things like, there used to be a talent show called Opportunity Knocks. Yeah. And they had a, a lady on there called... Mary Hopkin and she did a song called Those Were The Days and she played the guitar she was Welsh, she played the guitar and sang so I copied it and my friends thought it was great and because it was of like number one I think, went to number one at the yeah. time she had a little help from Paul McCartney from the Beatles, I think they did some of the production and it was on their record label which was called Apple 
anyway the friends said oh you must meet our music teacher and at the Saturday morning school so I had to play this thing to him and he said oh you must come and play in the concerts he said, we do concerts at uh, sort of old people's homes and things. So I've, I've, I've gone full circle because yeah, yeah, have, yes. I haven't had quite a musical career. I'm now doing the old people's homes again. And now I'm older, older than, than some the of people. them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, She's just okay. choosing our home. I just said her <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Take I'm actually your, going round and Picking the best one. Yeah, and I've got to have a piano. Yeah. <laughs> you already had your instructions. But no, no whiskers, so... <laughs> <laughs> I make sure my nails are done and my hair's nice. Anyway, that aside. So then we were doing the homes and I was doing my sort of interlude of a little bit of folk, folk songs with the guitar, including Those Were The Days. And uh, I did meet Dad and I decided oh, to take an instrument up and actually learn. So I started to learn the clarinet. Before I took the clarinet up, they started to form the marching band I thought, well, I can't march with a guitar. So they said, oh, you can be the drum major. They said, you better go and learn the drums. So I, <laughs> I went for drum lessons. Basically, a little tile, like a piece of what we called lino in those days, and a pair of sticks and playing on this, like doing paradiddles and by some guy who was in the military. I decided, hang on, what am I doing? I really love, actually, the musical side of things. I yeah. don't particularly want to be a drum major. So I took up the clarinet. It reminds me of that time where we produced my song. I sang it in London. You done the beats for me. And then some guys came up to me after and was like, who done the beats for your song? I was like, oh, mum did. And just put it up my mum. They were like, what? Mum makes beats. And it was so funny, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I got a kiss off there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that might be listening. <laughs> no, that was so funny. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So obviously... You were in a marching band and met Dad, and then you had Dean. So I know how hard it is to have a child and do anything in life. Um, actually, music's one of the things that's a little bit easier because you can kind of fit it around things. But going out doing gigs is what you used to do. Dad was in the band with me. We formed a, a band when we left the marching band. We yeah. formed a, a dance band because in the Braintree area there were some really good rock bands Yeah. Um, and we couldn't compete with them, so we found a niche. And because we'd had a lot of experience from the, the marching band days, we knew songs that perhaps the, the rock bands wouldn't do, so we yeah. actually started doing the... Um, music for dancing like a bit like strictly type dancing so we we started doing those and we found that we were getting quite a few gigs and we were getting paid and everything this is before um dad and I actually got married and then when we married and I was then pregnant with Dean I think uh, dad thought I was going to stop playing and I said oh no <laughs> I want to carry on but he said well someone's got to look after the baby <laughs> so I said oh thank you, you <laughs> yeah so I wasn't actually working during the day then he yes. was he had a daytime job and so he I just did the weekends yeah yeah not everybody agreed with that, did they? they? Approve. No. Approve, that's the right <laughs> word. Mm. Back in the day, especially, I mean, it's still like that now to some degree, but back in the day, that was looked upon. Why are you doing that? Like, you're a mother now. Why are you going yeah. out working and leaving the child? Why is the father going to work and then looking after the child? 
What did you say to them? I just did what I did and people had to accept me for what I was. Music, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a job. And it's yeah. it, and most people do it because they're really passionate about it. It's something that you can't suppress. So I think that's why people... It's an itch come... that needs to be scratched. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> or scratched. Like, well, we're around, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not something you can bury. People try to, and, and they're often very unhappy. And, resenting and, and the resent, person. Yeah. I mean, you really can't do that. Like, it's, it's hard because it's kind of bittersweet or it's like a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time, isn't it? I yeah, feel. Yeah. Having this thing, like having that... I don't know if it's been it, it creative people of, or... Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I, sometimes like the, from the songwriting point of view, I I actually have a, a, almost like a premonition of, of a song's going to come to me and kind of know in advance and it's kind of it's almost like exciting it's almost like oh Christmas is coming <laughs> something's yeah. gonna happen but I don't know what and then yeah. all of a sudden it, it it's just floods yeah floods into my you go you know, through periods create, you? yeah and some weeks you have like a few weeks on of like loads of ideas it, and being really creative and and, and then, then it then dries up a little boil. bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the same with every creative person musician well, I had a phase... I like writing with others, really. I do write by myself, but I like to bounce off other musicians yeah. and creative people. I had a real run sort of in the late 80s and did some quite interesting things. And then I kind of got ripped off by one or two people trying to either pinch my stuff or um, trying to take over without the legal yeah. copyrights and such like. And without going into too many gory <laughs> details or naming names, I had one person that sort of wanted to use my songs and then because I wouldn't do something that was um, illegal, it was, you know, it's like they tried to woo me because I was a woman, you know, take me out to lunch and then it was like, oh, well, your songs will do better you know, the casting couch sort of yeah. idea. And I yeah. wouldn't go down that route. And so I probably stopped some of the, some of my... Oh, Mum, why not? We could be millionaires now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the team. <laughs> no, I, that was the, sort of the vulnerability of being a woman in the industry that some Yeah, times, definitely. Um, I mean, that still happens. Rich and powerful people think they could buy you and yeah. buy your this still happens i know which is mental yeah. i mean a lot yeah. less because people can get away with a lot less nowadays because your name can get tarnished in seconds with one post but you still hear a lot of things going on yeah so has there been any other sort of sexist experiences that you've had in the music industry i'm sure there is back in the uh, 70s and 80s well yeah sort of like with the financial side a married woman didn't have the same rights that she does now with the tax. Yeah. Um, you became part of your husband's tax structure, I suppose. Yeah. Um, like, if you buy a piece of equipment yeah. that's part of your work, you can put that against your tax, mm-hmm. like you would with any other business. But instead of, um, like, when I bought a quite an expensive keyboard... 
instead of me getting the the, um, the tax rebate, it went to dad. Oh, yeah. Went to my husband. Did he give it back to you? No. <laughs> no, well, no and, and he couldn't really because they didn't give it to him in a lump sum. What oh. they did in those days was they gave it to him through his national insurance. So it was oh, fed so back was to him. Yeah. And um, I was really put out about this. I and, would and, be. <laughs> but uh, later on, I don't know how long after that, they then made it so that a woman could do yeah. her tax affairs in her own right. And I think that yeah. should have been done well, years I'll be ago. Te- I'll be reminding him this Christmas. Hope you get a good Christmas present this year. Yeah. No, he's always, he's always oh, no. supportive with well, all my instruments. Definitely had it back over oh, yeah, you <laughs> And also, I've always been fairly up on the technical side of things. When I've gone to buy an instrument or gone to sell things, and you're a woman, even the last keyboard that I bought, I went with Dad to buy. Mm-hmm. They were selling it to him, not me. Yes. And he said, "Don't tell, bad. don't tell me." He said, she knows exactly what she's doing with it. You know. Yeah. Where's it from? Sweden. Sweden. Swedish, <laughs> yeah. Handmade in Swedish. Swedish, Nord. Yeah, sorry. I mean, industry standard is brilliant. Because you're doing it professionally. Like, it's oh, actually yeah. just, it's really rude of someone to treat you like that. But in a way, I don't, I'm not pointing fingers at him. I, I feel like he's not educated. And this is where society has all gone wrong. Because, mm. Well, especially as a, a, an older woman, they yeah. probably thought, oh, she's probably going to sit in her front room and play yeah. her. What on earth does she need something like that for? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't blame him either. It's like you were saying earlier, and we've never fitted the mold. You yeah. can't pigeonhole yeah. us. It's always been a fight for women in the music industry. It's a very male-dominated industry. Oh, yeah. And you've gigged your whole life, and the majority of the time you've been the only woman in the band, haven't you? Oh, sometimes you've had lead singers, but because you've played yeah, keyboard, played an instrument. you're like a lot yeah. of the time, aren't you? You're one of the guys well, because you play ten, the instrument. Yeah, about ten years ago, I was doing a, a club fairly locally. Yeah, and every time at the end of the evening, this guy would get up and says, "Get that lads in the band again." <laughs> <laughs> And, and I was thought, so, I had I had short I hair at the time. I had short hair at the time, and I thought, right, that's it. I'm growing my hair, and um, it's really nice and long and blonde. And Dad, Dad said, but I like your hair short. I said, well, I'm not having it short anymore. <laughs> so now I have long that's blonde funny. hair. The lads. <laughs> Well, like the last gig I came to with you, the man next to me wouldn't stop talking about how good looking he must have been back in the day. <laughs> He's going, oh, the pretty blonde one. And he was going, of course, she must have been good looking back in the day. <laughs> well, I do hope Dad doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> the Musician's Mind with Jessica Alwes. Obviously, we briefly touched on how technical you are with things like learning the Nord um, keyboard, if anyone knows what that is. But you also have always done your own production and produced and you uh, have a degree in music technology, music tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my dad was um, a radar expert yeah. and he was interested in music as well. And after he came out of the Air Force, he worked for Marconi's 
because of that, he used to have access to some rather large tape recorders. Now, I don't know what they did with those, but I know they also, where he was in charge of, they um, built the cameras for the BBC. Oh, yeah. As a little girl, when he was doing sort of overtime on a Saturday morning, they used me as the... Uh, the model. Or the, the model <laughs> to yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. They probably didn't actually record it. That was just like film. It would come up on a monitor and that was it yeah. to make sure it worked. He also used to bring these tape recorders home from time to time and um, so we'd all have a sort of a family sing-along. And we still got any of the tapes? Not from those recordings, but I have got some because they'd what happened and this really is what sort of started things off. For my 13th birthday, everyone used to buy a lot of clothes and their goods from catalogues yeah. and they'd pay monthly or yeah. whatever. That's, that's what happened. They bought the best tape recorder yeah. Which I still have. It had different speeds. In those days, you couldn't multi-track. I'm going to give my age away here. But. <laughs> so I was 13 in 1967. Yeah. Yeah? Multi-track didn't really come in till the early 70s. But what you could do with mine, it had a numbers system. And if you looked at the numbers and recorded the tracks to the numbers, you could actually get the harmonies and oh, things. Oh, I see. But it's get, get mental s- to think that you couldn't do more than one track. I know. <laughs> so that's that's what I used to do. So yeah. I'd, I'd record different bits, and, and it was usually oohs and ahs, because oohs and ahs, you didn't have to sync up, the, you know, yeah. you didn't have the rhythm of the words and things to sync. So I'd just go by the numbers. But I used this tape recorder. I used to go, and it's quite big, yeah. quite heavy, and I used to take it to school, bearing in mind I lived opposite yeah. school, and uh, record. I used to do little radio shows with my friends <laughs> and things, and then I'd bring it back. But recorded all sorts of things. So what was the next thing you used after the four track? Like, where did it go after that? Well, actually, it's when the cassette players and cassette recorders came in. Well, you so were well, the Fidelity um, tape recorder I, I used up until the beginning of the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it was around the beginning of the 70s that the cassette players and recorders came in. And you could then buy, instead of on things on vinyl, you could actually buy um, cassettes that had got... Uh, songs you know albums on and that sort of thing yeah but also you could record on those as well so you couldn't multi-track on those that came a little bit later um into the 80s where i actually had a tascam porter one which um was a cassette recorder which yeah. you could multi-track on i think it was only four tracks but you could bounce tracks down to make to layer it up. To layer it yeah. up. Yeah, so you could do more than yeah, more than. Did it take a long tracks. time? Well, oh, obviously a lot longer than on Logic nowadays. Or um, whatever. Well, it, again, you've, you've got to have your ideas, what you're going to do, yeah. how you're going to work it. No, not, not too too much, but it, of course it was all acoustic and analogue. It wasn't yeah. um, Maybe it was quicker because you couldn't take so many goes at it. <laughs> Well, you could do as many as you like, but the tape wore out after oh. a while. But, although they were metal tapes that you actually mastered to. Oh, yeah. Then I progressed from that yeah. to the 8-track, reel-to-reel, which was, a, again, a multi-track. Which was the thing that was in our studio, the big uh, tapes that I was really scared of. Yeah. 
But along with that, I had um, an Atari 1040 ST mm-hmm. and I used um, something called Creator, which was for non-musical notes. Uh, so it's just like little um, lengths of, of um, notes. You, you get that now on Creator. You can see that. Yeah. Like the piano yeah. bar. Yeah, yeah. It? Yeah. And the software... It took about 10 minutes to load onto the Atari. And yeah. that was on floppy disk. I needed a mixer desk and speakers to hear what I was doing. Or head- you could use headphones, obviously. Yeah. So I had those and they could all link up with the Fostex as well so that they all worked worked together. So you've got... Um, well, something came in called MIDI. Yeah. Musical instrument digital interface, I think that. Oh, I didn't never knew it stood for anything. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, hello. <laughs> and it, that was, that was um, that was when the industry decided to standardise things, and instead of having all their own individual makes of uh, linking their machines together, they came up with this idea of linking any any type. So you could link a. Uh, Technics to a, a Yamaha or um, a yeah. Roland to a, a Korg or whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever had the MIDI interface on it. That's been superseded now for <clears throat> more stable um, connections and things, but mm-hmm. it worked. It was a little bit more long winded the way I, I was using yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds very, it <clears throat> all sounds a bit complicated to me. Well, <laughs> Like anything, you you just yeah, learn to you use learn. it. And when I bought the um, that set of equipment and a pair of uh, lovely JBL speakers, mm-hmm. um, are they the ones that, that were on the brick on the stands? Brick yeah. Piers, yes, yeah. yeah, and there was a reason for that. <laughs> Don't ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looked good though. Yeah, well they they were solid, so that um, you know that, and they were a good height, and they. You could hear what you were doing for yeah, monitoring. Yeah. They're probably a little bit bassy for normal monitoring. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, uh, and still do, go for their little Yamaha yeah. speakers with the white um, cones in and things. That's what you got? No, I haven't got. So I've got. Yeah, that's what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> that worked pretty well. And then you'd ma- I, I'd master the, the finished song to um, a cassette, actually, in those days, so originally and then later on when I replaced the Atari with a PC mm-hmm. um, most of the PCs in those days had a CD burner in them you know your finished product would be on the CD mm-hmm. so yeah and then something came in called the mini disc recorder yeah which I used to record on didn't I yeah yeah um, I think they were fantastic I've still got mine I've still got two I have a portable one and a sort of a studio version yeah i still play things back on the mini disc but i don't often use it for recording now but it's there if i need to you've still got a record player as well haven't you? i have still got a record that you play player. things yes occasionally oh did you know okay. that uh record sales vinyl sales were more than cd sales last year no i didn't no. Hmm. which is funny i don't know anyone that's bought a cd until dean the other day Oh, did right. you see yes, yeah. Euphoria? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said he's missing it. I thought, God, I don't know where all my CDs have gone. It's funny that he's missed one of his collections. 
Um, yeah, yeah, so, sorry, carry on about a mini disc. Yeah, no, I was saying that okay. um, I was still using the PC as well. Um, I, I used uh, Steinberg's Cubase for software. And I also had an editing program called Soundforge. Yeah. Um, I know that everything we can do now within the one software program but yeah um that worked quite well but i used the mini disc for going out and recording live mm -hmm. i must have had some sort of interface to, yeah i was gonna to say did you have the, like a mixer yeah to... i was just trying yeah i must have had a mixer desk that i took out to do the live recordings because i did orchestras i recorded choirs didn't you record an orchestra at Holchester institute uh, no, it's Waltham Stowe Assembly Hall. Oh, yeah. Uh, I recorded an orchestra with... Didn't I went someone out with drop a, their stick? <laughs> uh, yes, they were paying this orchestra quite a lot of money and um, the guy in charge went off for a cigarette and um, the recording was sort of going on and I heard the percussionist drop a stick. <laughs> so... I thought, what do I do? Because I knew that that would, that would show up in the recording. And if I let this piece, which was half an hour long... Oh, my God. How far through were they? About a quarter of an hour. Um, oh and I, I made the decision to stop the whole orchestra. And, and the conductor glared at me. And I said, well, the percussionist dropped his stick and we can't take that out of the recording very easily. So, um, yeah. The, <laughs> Did they agree with your decision in the end? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the guy who'd gone for the fag saw what was happening and I've never seen him run so fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, anyway, they, they had to start from the beginning again, but it costs time as money when you, with something yeah. like that. But it's there's actually a, a studio in that, building because it has the best acoustics or one of the best acoustics in the whole of um, Europe. Oh really? And they bring orchestras in from other parts of the Europe and probably the world I, I, but yeah. I have seen, you know, when I've driven past I've seen um, the coaches with the so-and-so orchestra written on the oh, really? side. Of, yeah. Oh cool. So it was quite an honour to record there but I also got to sing there as well with a band, and the acoustics are amazing. You can hit notes that you don't think you can hit when you've got good <laughs> acoustics like that. I quite enjoy doing live recordings. One of the other pieces of equipment which allowed me to sort of go out and record live I was um, Yamaha did an AW16G, which was a digital audio workstation. And that got a CD burner in it mm -hmm. as well. But because it was a hard disc, you actually recorded all your parts, bounced them down to a stereo track. Yeah. And then if you wanted to, you could then burn, you know, a, a disc or tra transfer the information onto a PC or something if you yeah. really wanted to or whatever you were using. And in those days, I was using PC. I've gone over to Mac now. I do go out and record um, but usually um, the recording of live bands I can get actually get your dad to to get involved and he's got a camcorder yeah. which I've bought a Rode Pro mm -hmm. mic and so we can get a pretty decent uh, recording of the band or whatever yeah. mm -hmm. I was using Logic 8 to start with. Yeah. And, uh, 
still oh. using Logic Pro. Was there a Logic One then? I there must have been. Must probably. Have been. It's funny, because <laughs> yeah. like, you don't even think about the iPhone being an iPhone One. No, that's but true. there must have been. They must. It must have come from somewhere. Yeah. It's just mental how technology is nowadays compared. But obviously, it's the same principle of yeah, everything. Yeah, well, all the terminology is used on you know what you're recording this on it yeah today. on logic now um, but yeah all the same terminology yeah, is used it's just crazy to think what you can do and how you can record delete edit mm. the things you can do now compared to that but yeah the technology's come so far over your lifetime hasn't it with oh yeah recording obviously everything but with recording in particular yeah so you've obviously really moved with the times and now you use logic pro x and you've recently produced a song with your friend Linda. Mm-hmm. Well, you've produced it called Saltwater. So tell us a little bit about that. Right, Saltwater is a cover of the Julian Lennon song. We did it for really as a charity song, that one, which any downloads, the money goes to the RSPB. I think if anybody listens to the lyrics, they'll see it's all to do with sort of like climate change. And yeah. but the rec- the original record of, was written by Julian Lennon and the Shapiro's. I don't know whether he got to hear it, but his manager definitely did, and she liked it. Oh. Um, it's got a quite our version has got quite a country feel because we used the great Jim Martin to play steel guitar yeah. in it. And um, my friend Ian played guitar and bass on it. My friend Dave played drums and played keys. And Linda and I did the vocals. Also, your fiancé, Tom, his niece, did a a little um, bit at the beginning. um, She'll probably be really embarrassed about it now. She's in high school. Yeah, now she's a little older. Yeah. Quoting a bit from uh, David Attenborough, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, sadly, Ian, my friend Ian, died uh, about two or three weeks after the launch of the song. Yeah. But uh, this is a really lovely thing about music, though, and and anything like that you produce in life. It's not just music, but it's like it's a legacy, isn't it? And it's really lovely mm. that you've got that there. So yeah, it's really nice. And, and, uh, and then the following year, we did using. Everyone except poor Ian. We did a song that I've written called Summer Rain. Yeah. And my friend Mick played bass and guitar on that one. Yeah. But Ian and I were actually writing Summer Rain together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I f- finished it because I felt I should. Yeah. And so they're out on all the streaming they're sites. Out on all platforms. And all platforms, yeah downloads and so yeah under the name of wing song wing song yeah and it's that's Linda and i that's our yeah duo. the musician's mind with jessica hours so i asked my mom to write a list of things that she's done in the past and honestly it's like a novel but <laughs> <laughs> what we could talk about today and one of the things she's wrote on here <laughs> is that she was bitten by a camel <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest thing about it is that what did you say your mum back in the day they thought back that, in the day they thought that if you got bitten by a camel a camel had the same as if you were to transmit a sexually transmitted, transmitted disease by STD a cam- or STI yeah. yeah 
And what, like, if it bites you, it's like you've got chlamydia or something? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so when I went home and said I'd had a day at the zoo with a friend and um, I got bitten by a camel, my mum freaked. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to say this. I've been into people's heads, people coming back from holiday and saying, oh no, I must have got bitten by a camel, babe. (laughs) I don't know what's happened. It must have been the camel. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and um, (laughs) so I've lost my train of thought again. (laughs) I wrote a 10 minute piece for the Cambridge Arts Festival. And I played the saxophone over the recording at the festival. It was a sonic piece, really, called Four Seasons in an English Country Garden. Some of the rhythms were done by using recordings of thunder and lightning. And one of my favourite things to record is crystals. Um, I have a fascination with crystals in all forms, in jewellery, in crystal glasses and being able to play wine glasses and I, yeah. I used to oh, yeah, re- do, record that a lot years ago and I used all this in this in this 10 minute piece uh, I just yeah, drink the wine <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guys I'm guys C I have sip and then she goes E top it up again <laughs> yeah. you put all my crystal glasses out of tune you know? <laughs> yeah. she's drinking wine yeah. out of them. I'm like why has he got out of tune <laughs> just as we're drinking that E glass <laughs> So what I was going to say is, mm. like you've always said to me, don't do too many different things. You enjoy loads of different things, mm. lots of different types of music and being creative. And you've gone through different, like, um, I was going to say genres, but not really. It's more, you've tried out lots of different ideas. You've tried different projects. And, and yeah, you've done lots of different things in your life, haven't you? And mm. that's what I like to do exactly the same. But sometimes I feel like you can spread yourself too thinly. Not you personally, sorry, just anyone. Yeah. I need to rein it in sometimes because or else my mind's on seven different projects at the same time and then it gets overwhelming and then you can't do anything. So how have you kept structured and motivated and disciplined on your projects that you've done in life? I don't know, really. There has been times when it's got a little bit too diverse. At one point I was in a rock band, the East Anglian Single Re-Choir. I was born at this point, wasn't you, I? You were, yeah, you were about four, three, four, and you... Was you singing or playing sax on stage and I just stood next to you on stage because I wanted to be on stage with you? Uh, and you dressed the same as me as well. And I didn't do anything, did I? Just no, stood there on just stage. Stood there. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, and I was, I was in about four different bands at that point, and I've done sort of soul music, rock music, yeah, uh, classical music. Yeah, so I don't know. You say, how have I structured it? I haven't. I've just gone with the flow okay. and enjoyed it. Yeah. And I still do. I mean, I'm in a rock band now. I, I sing in a church choir, Yeah. Um, which is uh, some of that's... Um, sacred music some of its classical music and i also do the duo which is quite diverse really from country to our own stuff to pop stuff you know we do sort of rag and bone man one thing that really irritates me is 
people in my own generation come up to me and say, oh, there's nothing as great as the 60s music. Don't you agree? And I said, no, I don't agree. And yeah. they look at me in horror. They said, why? And I said, because I actually write music and it's current and it's on the radio sometimes yeah i said how can i say that only the music from yeah. that era is the right music yeah it doesn't yeah. matter it, it can be all yeah. different genres and it, as long as it's good it, and like the people that um, think the classical music is the best because they're something like thinking that the classical music's like the posh music when they're the ones that like were died of syphilis and like sleeping around and <laughs> Most doing drugs and everything. Yeah, yeah. that um, was the pop of their era. Yeah, pop of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mozart would have absolutely loved my Nord. <laughs> would have done. Yeah, it exactly. Would have been, they wouldn't would have, have been embraced used... all the technology. Yeah, like that's he would have been now. using logic, yeah. and yeah. they don't realise that some people. Yeah, yeah, they're not moving with the times. No. That, one of my favourite artists is Stormzy. Now, who, who would have thought, you know, a 68-year-old yeah. woman Mom would be... Mum told me to watch the Lutheron interview. Yeah. Is that how yeah. you say it? Lutheron? Lutheron. Through. Yeah. <laughs> Through. Mum told me to watch the interview the other day. I was like, oh. I watched it straight away and it was really good. But, um, yeah. Um, credit where credit's due. And there's, there's music that I don't like, but I still appreciate that what goes into it. Yeah. Be open and some of the best music is written by people who are open to all sorts of ideas and all sorts of music. Yeah, and their influence comes from lots of different avenues yeah. instead of just... Take the yeah. blinkers off. Exactly what you told me when I wanted to be in a rock band and listen to rock music. And then I went to this... It's called Sound Inventors. And it was like I had to compose a, a piece of music for a string quartet... And I was about 11, wasn't I? Yeah. And I stayed away for a week. In Giggleswick. Yeah, like in Yorkshire, was that? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I stayed away. This was quite a big deal at that age to, like, be away from home for that long with not any school friends or anything, just completely random (laughs) musicians. And I was young and and I loved Avril Lavigne at the time. And I was like, oh, I wanted to, like, write music for a rock band. And then my mum was like, well, who do you think puts the strings in the music? And where do you think this music, the other sounds come from? And I was like, oh, yeah. What did you send me off for them for? Just to get some respite? No. <laughs> I thought you'd joking. enjoy it. That was brilliant. No, it was brilliant. And, uh, I really enjoyed them. <laughs> I would have liked to have like, lived like that instead of being at school. 100%. I would have just rather been at places like that where I could have just mm. write music it was like a boarding school. I know it was only for a week, but it was like boarding school, wasn't yeah. it? Like it was in a yeah. bunk bed and a cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, my influences have come from all different things, mm. which I enjoy a lot of different music. That's why I have gone through different genres as a singer, but it, it's like I needed to find my niche as an artist. Well, we've taken another break again. Let's just put the salmon in the oven. <laughs> so what would your advice <laughs> to future musicians male and female both but what's your sort of advice for longevity in the industry and keeping positive about it because I know that sometimes I can get really disheartened by the industry and you're the one that keeps me going with it even though I'm like how could you still be so positive about it when you've been in this industry so long because it really does get to you sometimes so what's like your what's your secret to keeping positive and still enjoying it? 
finding like-minded people to work with yeah so it's yeah really helpful that's so true it's such a lonely industry isn't it it can be people. very lonely i know i went through a phase where i had to work just doing solo work and i found that i was only doing it for the money and, yeah. and the enjoyment had gone out of it yeah when you work with other people you bounce ideas off each other yeah um I know sometimes you have to work alone. There's certain things you have to do yeah, on your course. own. Yeah, you know, Because a lot of it is on your own. Like, obviously, I, I have a lot of DJ friends, a lot of producer friends, and they sit there all day in the studio on their own. Sometimes it's expensive to get other people in the studio. Sometimes if you was having other DJs with you or, like, in a band situation, you'll have to split the money. So, yeah, obviously, sometimes you do have to be on your own in this in this industry it sounds really depressing but I don't mean it like that yeah there's a lot of things that you do have to do on your own oh yeah so the other day you went to meet someone to collab with didn't you yeah a lady photographer um I think it's because the name of my duo is Wingsong and uh there are mentions uh, of us uh liking nature and yeah uh, wildlife and such like and Probably the algorithms, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah that must they, they, be, yeah. they, um, paired this, you up. <laughs> yeah, paired, and this lady's photography is absolutely amazing. Um, and she only lives 10 miles, 10, 12 miles away in Ely. And she photographs, um, mainly nature and wildlife. Yeah. Although she said she's open for photography of other things but that seems to be what she's really interested in and I looked at it for several months and I thought um, she also put some videos up as well with some music and I thought some of my music would suit her videos and some of her photography would be great as artwork on mm -hmm. my either as wing song my duo or my I've got some solo work which is um instrumental music coming out yeah on an ep soon and i need some artwork for that yeah. so i wrote to her and she was interested and so we got together for tea and cake <laughs> as you do as you do like me and amy but we normally have a cocktail <laughs> <laughs> uh, well it was early in the morning yeah oh yeah okay <laughs> maybe <laughs> and um yeah, we've, we've come to a, a great uh, sort of arrangement and collaboration yeah, so good. and that we can work really together is... on just some projects. It's not um, every, everything. Yeah. She's got her individual stuff that she does and likewise. It really is about that though in life, isn't it? It is really about finding other people, making that connection and like connecting on a deeper level because you understand each other and you understand the creative side of each other and it's just mm. so nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sent I sent her a couple of my tracks through, so yeah. she could have a, a listen to what I was about as well, and um, so hopefully that will work out. What's her name so people can have a little look? Oh yeah, if you have a look at Veronica in the Fens New, that's on Facebook anyway. But I think her website is Veronica in the Fens. Yeah, well. I'll tag that all on the bottom anyway. Yeah, my sort of work ethic is. I try and do things methodically. If I have a gig coming up or a project recording, writing, I just work on that. Sometimes they run concurrently yeah. and you have no choice but to do a little bit of each. 
I try and sort of do one thing at a time to the best of my ability, get that organised from, you know, beginning to end. There's all sorts of admin stuff that comes into it as well as, you know, yeah. you've got... You're actually so organised. I don't know why I haven't got this organisation skills from, <laughs> you, didn't, from you. you. didn't, uh, I didn't get inherit it, did I? the organisational no, genes, uh, unfortunately. No, I, this is why I'm a mess. <laughs> and and uh, do you know what, uh, what I know what one of your other secrets is? To have a good meal and to have a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. You'll never, oh, yeah. never you're never hungry. Yeah, you'll never see my mum going along without having some a snack or something. <laughs> and she's not fat. She eats little and often um, and has to keep her sugar levels up and you'll know as soon as like yeah, she's I getting try hungry. Keep everything on an even keel, I think that's Yeah, you what do. I'm you're doing. just you are very logical, aren't you? Yeah. That's yeah. That that does actually help with not just the musical side of life, but the, the other part of life that has to go on. And if you can keep that going without too much interference, that gives you more time to work on your musical stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. This is where I take a lot of uh, life lessons from you. You should write a book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe one day. Yeah. While I can remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. It's been really interesting. Obviously, I know some of the things and we could have been here all day talking about all your stories of your life. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. Oh, so thank, thank you, you for having me. That's okay. Yeah. Well, no, you should say thank you for having me. What do you mean? <laughs> well, you I'm your having... mother. Oh, thank you for <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mum. That was so much fun. And thank you guys for listening. I really hope you learned something and got something out of it. Everything we spoke about, I've put it in the description box. So go and have a look at that. And have a lovely weekend, everyone.